is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020, season 16, episode number 19 Welcome to another edition of The Break. For the first time in a very long time, we got everybody on our crew at the star at the same time. Uh, my, myself and Dave are here in the SWBC Mortgage Studios. Nick's upstairs in his office. Amber's upstairs in somebody's office. And we got a special guest today. So uh, very welcome uh, and very uh, happy to welcome Bucky Brooks to the program. He'll be joining us, as I mentioned to you guys, on Twitter every Wednesday and Thursday. He'll t- come in and talk to us about the opposing team. Welcome to the show, Bucky. Yeah, we, hey man, we love so getting you here because it's going to give us an opportunity to, to take advantage of your experience. You were a player and a scout in the NFL for a total of 12 years. And uh, I guess just give, before we get started on some questions for you, give our, our listeners a little bit of a background on, on your career and kind of what you've been doing and, and where you are now. Uh, man, it's been a it's been a long journey, been a crazy journey. But spent five years in the National Football League as a player, bounced around from team to team after being a second round pick with the Buffalo Bills. Spent time with the Bills, the Packers, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Kansas City Chiefs, and finished with the Oakland Raiders. Got a chance to play for a lot of great coaches. Saw how the game could be won at the highest level. Um, transitioned into being a scout. Spent three years with the Seattle Seahawks and then moved on four years with the Carolina Panthers. While I was with the Panthers, we went to Super Bowl 38. Didn't win it, but we were close enough. And so from a team building perspective, have really been around a lot of great teams and have seen it done a bunch of different ways. And so I've tried to parlay those experiences and to being able to kind of scout for the masses uh, with my role at NFL Media, NFL Network, and the things that I do at DallasCowboys.com, just trying to share what I've learned uh, to kind of help people take a That's smarter awesome, take We appreciate you taking some time with us. We're going to do it like this. Every Wednesday, we're going to talk about the opposing team's offense. And uh, so we would do a round robin. We've got a lot of questions we're going to throw at you today about the Rams offense. And then tomorrow we'll jump into the Rams defense matched up with the Cowboys offense. I'll start off first. As you look at this Rams team um, last season, uh, offensively it looked like they took a little bit of a step back from what they were the year before that. They uh, scored 14 fewer touchdowns, which is a significant number, almost an average of one touchdown per game. They were down about 700 total yards from what they did in 2018. What, do you, what did you see looking at them in 2018 and 2019 that may have been the difference last year as to why they may have been a little less productive? You know, it's funny because Sean McVay was really hailed as an offensive wizard the first few seasons in the league for the job that he did with the Rams. Uh, Offensively, they were explosive. They were dynamic. They were exciting to watch. Very creative in how they went about their business. But Sean McVay is a disciple of the Shanahan's. He wants the Shanahan system. It's a lot of stretch zone run, complemented with bootleg and complementary play action. So what they want to do is give the defense the run look while 
pulling it out and taking shots down the field. And if you're not able to contain the run, they pick you apart with these misdirection passes um, off of that action. Jerry Goff is at his best throwing off play action. Last year, he wasn't on his game. Some of that was due to the offensive line not being able to really build a fortress in front of him. Some of that was due to what if issues they had with Ty Gurley and Sean McVay. They didn't play him the way that they played him before. And without the threat of a strong running game, it really impacted Jerry Goff. And when you look at the Rams and you look at Jerry Goff, he is really a guy that needs to play action, needs everything right around him. When he does that, they win. And so the magic number for Jerry Goff, if he has a passer rating over 90, he is 26-2 and two in his career. So when he's efficient and effective, the Los Angeles Rams win Nick, a lot of games. Nick, what question you got? Who's their running back? Bucky. <laughs> uh, you know, like, so right now they're talking about doing a running back by committee. They have Malcolm Brown. Uh, they have Cam Akers. I would put my money on Cam Akers playing a significant role in this offense. The second-round pick coming out of Florida State is special. He's dynamic with the ball in his hands, can run it inside and outside, can catch the ball particularly well in the screen game. If they get him going, this offense could look like the offense that we celebrated as one of the best offenses that we've seen in some time. Now, something that we we always used to talk about is what's the biggest matchup here? What would be the main area where the Cowboys should probably focus more once these two, once their offense and versus defense come together? Uh, they have to focus on the outside. Obviously, the biggest question mark for the Cowboys coming in is the secondary. Can their guys on the outside hold up? Where they're facing one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They were the only duo that had 90-plus catches and 1,000 yards apiece last season. They ranked third in receiving yards um, behind the Cowboys duo. So this is a tandem that is dynamic. They're explosive. They're outstanding route runners. So on the perimeter, can the Cowboys hold up and prevent them from having big plays in the passing game? That is ultimately where the game so, will be won So, Bucky, you touched on this in your first comment, but I, I think it merits going back to is the Rams' offensive line because, it, you know, last year it felt like a revolving door. I feel like Andrew Whitworth was really the only member of that group that was available for 16 games. They didn't address it much in the offseason, so my question for you is, is getting everybody healthy going to be enough for them, or is that a problem spot? I mean, it's, it's certainly a weakness until they show that they fixed the problems that plagued them a season ago. Rob Havenstein and Andrew Whitworth, they'll hold up the edges. And I'll say this, Andrew Whitworth is in severe decline. He's an older player. He's 38 years old, you're not supposed to be playing on the edge. And so there's a weakness that the Cowboys can exploit in the pass rush game. Interior, look, they're just very, very average on the inside. When you look at the guys that they have, Noteboom, Blythe, Corbett, they're okay, but they're not overpowering. And the problem that they've had in this system, which really doesn't take uh, a five road graders, meaning that can push people off the ball, but you have to work in unison. When they're not working in sync, they have a tough time creating the push that they need. And so this game will also be decided in the trenches. Can they get movement off the ball so they can establish the run game? The running game is critical to set Jerry Goff up to be able to pass. I'm going to take you back to. to what you were talking about with Jared Goff. 
Uh, he's a guy that, that seems to have more mixed reviews on him around the league with regards to his abilities as a quarterback as, as much as anybody. Um, and yeah, I heard you say it was a really interesting stat that when his passer rating is over 90, he's 26-2. and two. My question for you is what have you seen defenses do to him that keep him from that number. Like, what is it that can you, that can, you know, some quarterbacks are susceptible to pressure, some are susceptible to more zone. Like, what is the thing that really, really tends to affect him more than anything else? The number one thing that you have to do when you're playing the Rams and Jerry Goff is you got to be able to contain the running game. Because if you can make the Rams pass in obvious passing situations where the play action pass is not a factor, he is not as great when he has to operate on straight drop back passes. Um, without the deception that lures the linebackers near the line of scrimmage, he doesn't have those open voids at intermediate range, 10 to 15 yards, to hit the digs and the deep overs that they like to hit. And so, Contain the running game. You have to find a way to put your hands on the wide receivers to disrupt the timing of the passing game. For Jerry Goff, he likes to throw from a clean pocket. He wants to get to the top of his drop, and he wants to let the ball go on time. So anything that the defense can do to disrupt the timing gets him out of sync. And lastly, you have to hit him. Most quarterbacks change when they are affected in the pocket. But if you get hits on Jerry Goff, it disrupts his rhythm. It forces him to throw early. And with those early passes under duress, tips, overthrows, interceptions, those things tend to happen. And so stop the running game, disrupt the rhythm of the, the, the wide receivers, and then you have to get around him. You do those three things. He has a tough time having a solid game. Bucky, what, how have you evaluated the Rams? I mean, is this going off of last year? I mean, this is going to be a problem that all teams have to deal with right now. No preseason games. I'm just kind of curious. I assume last year's tape, but do you kind of mix in the personnel that they've added and go back and look at them? And how do you kind of come up with, with a game plan when you haven't seen them? You know, so you have to go back and look at last year's tape. And last year's tape would be the indicator. Obviously, every year, teams do self-scout. They look at what they did well, where they were poor at, and they obviously try and work to rectify those while sprinkling in some new stuff. So you understand exactly what their personnel is. You know how Jerry Goff plays. You understand what the weapons are on the outside and Cup and Woods. But then we had the opportunity and watching them in Hard Knocks. And even though Hard Knocks doesn't really give you all 22 perspective, you certainly can kind of see some of the things that they're trying to do when you're looking at the B-roll. And so when you put all that together and you listen to how Sean McVay has talked about, kind of getting back to the basics, not being too cute, getting back to what the essence of this offense was, well, you think about 2017, 2018, when they've made Super Bowl runs, it's because the running game, the complimentary passing game, the explosive plays, they want to get back to that. So that has to be the expectations. Now, something that we talked about a lot last year was the Cowboys and their struggle when it came to the tackling game. This offseason, due to no preseason games, we haven't really seen the Cowboys be able to tackle or because you know you don't want to create any kinds of injuries prior to the season starting. Do you see this in, as an area of concern for this defense once they get to this first game as far as just struggling with the right way to tackle? Oh, I mean, it's going to be a huge concern for everybody, not just the Cowboys. When you haven't had the preseason to really 
get live tackling, it makes it difficult. Obviously, we have heard about the practices. Some of you guys have seen the practices. They've been trying to work on those things, simulated drills or whatever. But it's going to be rough because the speed of the game is so different from practice. What you hope is that not only can you tackle well in open field, but you get enough guys running to the ball where if the first guy misses, there are two or three other guys to clean it up. But, yes, it's something that is a concern. They have to really be able to make solid open field tackles because a miss or two leads to explosive plays on the perimeter. And you All certainly right, Bucky, don't want to see Obviously, that. you know, our work that we've done together has been draft-related to this point. I'm, I'm the draft guy. So it seems like there is a lot of hype coming out of this Rams camp about Van Jefferson. Second-round pick out of Florida. It honestly reminds me a lot of C.D. Lamb in the sense that, you know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are already there. They're not asking Jefferson to do too much. So with that in mind, what what role do you see him having and how successful could he be as a rookie? So they have a couple guys to keep an eye on when they go to their four receiver packages. Um, You have Josh Reynolds from Texas A&M, who has come on, has been a solid number three for them, but then Van Jefferson. And the reason the excitement over Van Jefferson is due to his route running ability, his polish, and his just pro demeanor. When you think about a son of a wide receiver coach, Sean Jefferson, who's the wide receiver coach for the New York Jets, he comes in with all of the tricks of the trade. He has it all. And really, he matches what they already have in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Outstanding route runners, understands how to create separation. Anyone who had a chance to watch him at the Senior Bowl saw him consistently get open. So now when you add him to the mix, working against the third DB, is the third cornerback able to handle a route runner? That would be one of the challenges that we could see. Before we let you go, Bucky, I have one final question for you. Uh, I'm, I'm... Looking at these three pass rushers for the Cowboys, Everson Griffin, Tank Lawrence, Alden Smith, they remind me a lot of what Nick and I tend to do in fantasy football. Like, you look at our teams, and three to five years ago, they would have been great. Uh, Now we don't really know. So my question for you is, what are you expecting from these three pass rushers? I think they all, at different points in their careers, have been really, really great pass rushers. What are you expecting at this point and with all of them together as a group? I think collectively they could be a dominant unit. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to put Alden Smith in the wild card category because he hasn't played in four or five years, so we just don't know. But I'm going to say this. Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence, they are a problem. They will be a problem. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence didn't have a great year by his standards last year, but the talent is there, the pass rushing prowess he possesses. Everson Griffin will make him a better player. And I'm going to say this, and I've said this repeatedly. Everson Griffin is a significant upgrade over Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn was a little more one-dimensional, a speed rusher. Everson Griffin has it all. And what I like about him, his repertoire is small, but he is masterful. He has an upfield speed rush move where he can consistently dip and rip past blockers, but he complements that with a nasty spin move working on the inside. When you add those two moves plus a relentless motor, he is going to get 10-plus sacks just by showing up. Alden Smith is unique in terms of we're seeing a guy that has been a dominant edge player early in his career come in bulked up, and play really heavy-handed. I think his biggest contributions will not be as a pass rusher, but more as a heavy-handed run stopper on the edge. He may give you something in terms of garbage sacks, but really, he's a heavy-handed presence on the edge. But in Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence, I wouldn't be surprised to see them tally 25, 27 sacks collectively 
because both guys are dominant. And if the Cowboys play the way that I think they're going to play on offense, where they run out, score points, and they make the opponent chase points, meaning they have to pass, it could well, be that's music that to the ears <laughs> of all the Cowboys fans <laughs> listening. Let's hope that that goes from your mouth to God's ears. Hey, Bucky, man, we appreciate you joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to have you on with us. We'll talk a little bit about the Rams' defense matching up against the Cowboys' offense. Thanks for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we got a lot of things we got to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that Mike McCarthy said in his press conference this morning. We're also going to get into some conversation around the unofficial depth chart, which was released yesterday. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. It's funny. As we travel places, often we find the places we want to travel aren't really places at all. They're people. They're grandparents, moms, old friends, and new nephews. That's why at American Airlines, we've been using enhanced cleaning measures so you can feel confident every step until you get to them. So, as always, our people can't wait to take you to yours. American Airlines. You are why we fly. To the break. Welcome back. We are in the second segment of the break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We appreciate you guys taking some time with us. First segment, we have Bucky Brooks on. He broke down the Rams' offense versus the Cowboys' defense. We'll do the defense tomorrow, um, but now we're going to move on and talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy. He had his press conference this morning. Uh, he did give us an update on Xavier Woods and Cheeto Awuzia. Uh, Nick, give us an update on what he said and, and what's expected of those two guys as far as practice and maybe even playing this week. I think they're going to give uh, they're going to give it a go. Uh, Tito's going to going to get to practice Xavier as well. I think they they expect Xavier to play. Been hearing that all week. Xavier's going to uh, get a chance to go out there. Um, you know, but they're obviously you know they got Brandon Carr on practice squad. I think Brandon Carr will will get the chance to move up. He's going to give them some versatility in both of those areas. At corner and safety, if he can pick up the defense and the scheme quickly. But I think I think they're gonna. Uh, we'll see today and then tomorrow how they respond on Xavier uh, and, and Cheeto. He uh, another thing. 
question that I forgot to ask yesterday, but now that Nick brought up uh, Brandon Carr again, with guys like that that haven't been able to have an offseason with the team, how long do you guys expect players like that to be able to get acclimated and, ba and get back to that level to, okay, now we can feel comfortable putting that guy on the field in a real game? It's a great question that I struggle with the answer, to be honest with you, because common sense says Brandon Carr didn't have a training camp. He didn't have an offseason. Even as a 12-year vet, it seems wild to think that they're going to put him out there seven days after he signs with the team. But if anybody could do it, it's probably a 12-year vet. Um, I think it's going to be Brandon's comfort level as well as the coach's comfort level that he can handle it. But, I mean, like I said, it sounds odd that he would be on the field seven days after signing with the team. Yeah. I actually think there are two things at play there. I mean, one, he's a 12-year vet. So from the standpoint of him picking things up, I think that, that works in his favor. I think the flip side of that is he's a 12-year vet where his body may be like, I need a little bit more time to ramp up, right? Um, so, again, it, it all is individual. We don't know how his body uh, works. And he said he's been working out quite a bit uh, during the offseason, uh, getting his body prepared. Um, it, you've always heard the phrase from players that there's, there's offseason training and then there's football shape. And, and maybe it takes him a little while to get up to football shape. But I don't think they're as, actually going to be bringing him in to, to go out there and play, you know, 50 snaps. It's going to be a situation where he's going to come in and maybe provide a little support here and there. Or he might just be a guy that's active for the purposes of if someone should get hurt. So either way, I think they're probably feeling like, you know, he probably has, has been able or will be able to acclimate himself enough to play that kind of role in these first few weeks. And then we'll see where it all goes from there. All right, let's move on to another thing that Mike McCarthy brought up that I thought was kind of interesting. He mentioned the fact that there were three coaches on the Cowboys coaching staff who were with uh, the, the Rams last year, uh, John Fossil, Skip Pete, and uh, Matt Daniels. He says he thinks that that could be an advantage for them from a personnel standpoint. He made that specific. It's more from a personnel standpoint than, a, than necessarily a scheme standpoint. Dave, what do you think as far as, as how much you think that could help or help the Cowboys from a standpoint of their coaches knowing the personnel well uh, with the Rams? Yeah, I mean, I think that stands to reason. Honestly, the most interesting part to me maybe sounds boring on the surface, which is special teams. I mean, John Fossil ran that unit for almost a decade. Uh, he knows exactly, not the new players, but he knows their veterans. He's very familiar with their punter, their long snapper, all of their core veterans. I wonder if that gives him a leg up in knowing their tendencies and their weaknesses. I think you make a mistake thinking that they're going to know a ton about scheme because that changes from year to year, but... These guys should have a really good read on the veteran players on that team. I, I have to believe it's going to be an advantage. So if, it, if it's not schematic, Nick, um, how much does the Cowboys really have an advantage from the standpoint that they haven't shown anybody their scheme? If, if scheme changes every year and most teams are going to come in with a little different scheme, does it really help the Cowboys not having anything out there in the preseason from a schematic standpoint? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not buying that one at all. I, I know that people. I know the Cowboys are counting on that, and they're like, you don't know what, what you're going to do. But you know, that also means you haven't played it and practiced it. That means you haven't put it out there. I mean, yeah, you may, might have practiced it, but not against anybody that's trying to tackle you and knock the ball out. So 
Um, I, I think it's just kind of goes, you know, it, it's 50-50 on that. Sure, the Rams aren't going to know exactly what they're trying to do, but the Cowboys might be kind of rusty in what they're trying to do. What do you think, Amber? Does this give the Cowboys an advantage, not having any scheme out there and also having coaches from the Rams, or do you think it's much ado about nothing? I mean, I do see it as an advantage. We, that we are here and we get to see things a little bit more up close than most people, we don't really have a clear idea either. So I'm sure people from the outside are going to have a much harder time. But then again, that applies to much uh, of all the other teams out there in the NFL. What I'm really curious and interested about is to see what coaching staff is able to adjust better during this situation. This is something that we talked forever about Jason Garrett era and their inability to to adjust throughout the game and, and switch things up. And I'm I just I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm so excited to see the way they're able to adjust to whatever the Rams bring onto them. And then also one of the things that I'm excited about, and we've heard players say it, we heard Jerry Jones say it, is the fact that they're supposedly not being as predictable as they've been in previous year. So that's really, really exciting for everyone that's going to wa be watching. And I think that it is an advantage to just not know what's going to happen. You just go out there and let the, the best team win, whoever's been preparing the best. All right, so we're going to move on to a topic that, that kind of follows from that not knowing what's going to happen. The Cowboys yesterday uh, released their unofficial depth chart. Every team in the league has to. The, the league requires them to, to release that. Um, it is an unofficial depth chart. And so I don't want us to get too bogged down in the, you know, whether it's right or wrong. I do think there were some interesting things on it that can lead to some interesting conversations. And so I'm going to throw a few things on you uh, at you guys that I noticed in that official depth chart. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that could mean or, or where we could see some differences from what's on the depth chart as to what Cowboys fans can expect to see on the game Sunday night. So let's start first with Trevon Diggs. He was listed as a starter at cornerback. That was the thing actually that jumped out to me immediately um, as the most interesting thing. Based on what you guys have been able to observe in the training camp practices, do you think Trevon Diggs is ready to be a starter in the NFL? Let's start first with you, Dave. For the record, I think a big part of it is that Shido Awuzie hasn't practiced in two weeks. So as of right now, they don't know if he'll be available. And on top of that, why would they admit that he's available? Um, but I have to admit, and I was a guy, I leaned toward veteran experience in every training camp battle. I, I really didn't think very many rookies were going to have success cracking the starting depth chart. But I do think Trayvon Diggs can probably handle it. And that's not to say he's going to be Jalen Ramsey from day one. But he has looked really impressive. He's, I mean, he's going against Lamb, Cooper, and Gallup. Like, he's going against one of the best receiver cores, and he has looked up to it. Uh, so if that's, if that's what happens, I can totally buy that, that he's up to it. Amber. Uh, you know, this year is it's very interesting to me. I don't know how much be, having, like, the name starter – uh, like how big of a deal that is in certain positions just because we've seen it in previous year how you could start a game start for the first few plays and then at any given moment just switch it out and bring another player in how much of a rotation is there going to be at these kinds of positions especially in the secondary so i don't i'm not trying to get too crazy about the term starter I just see it more as, okay, this is the guy that's going to open the game, and then we'll see how the game goes, and they have the ability to just rotate so many guys and then get a good feel of who is really performing at the best so that for later 
the upcoming games, then they get more playing Nick. time. Um, I think it's significant. I mean, I, I know I was told that, yeah, Cheeto didn't play much, but Tyron Smith didn't play a lot either, and he's playing at left tackle. He's still the guy at left tackle. So, you know, they didn't change that out. And obviously that would have been, you know, kind of a, a bold move there. But, you know, it maybe there's some – there definitely is some strategy going on here um, between Mike McCarthy. All you have to do is count how many offensive guys are on the depth chart, yeah. <laughs> and then you, you know what they're they're just trying to hide everything. Um, yeah, hey, hey, Trayvon Diggs is starting. Attack him, attack him. You know, telling the Rams to kind of to go after him, and maybe he only plays nickel or dime. Who knows? Um, if there's a way to to not show their hand, uh, Mike McCarthy's doing it. I don't know if he's good at poker, but I bet you he thinks he is. <laughs> Yeah, I bet he thinks he's good at poker. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that they didn't put. They only put ten offensive players uh, or positions on there. And I think obviously the the gamesmanship there is you don't know if they're going to start out with an extra tight end, an extra wide receiver, or a fullback. Like they didn't put it on there. They just have those other ten starters, and that's just kind of where they leave it. Maybe they just don't care, and they had a PR person fill out the depth chart. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. they let us do it, and and that's kind of the yeah. You trying to break some news here on Cowboys break? Did you? No, not really. Just saying, like they could have had anybody do yeah. this, right? Derek, did you leave off the eleventh guy? <laughs> I kind of just forgot him. I don't know. It yeah. just it kind of happens, you know. <laughs> He's only the first round pick. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Um, here's the next thing I noticed: uh, the offensive tackle position, the the right tackle. Um, right now, actually, they have Terrence still listed as the swing tackle with Lyle out. Um, they have, obviously, uh, Tyron Smith and Cam Irving as the two starters. In the event that one of those two guys goes down, do you think Terrence Still is the guy that actually goes in? Is it Brandon Knight, who right now they're listing as the backup guard? Do you think that if he went out, if one of those two guys went out, they actually consider the possibility of taking Connor Williams, moving him out the tackle, and throwing Brandon Knight or Connor McGovern into that guard spot? Nick, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty confident. But correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've seen Connor Williams play a snap of tackle in his pro career, let alone at this training camp. Yeah. Is that – No. do you agree? I, I, have, I haven't seen it since the University yeah. of Texas. He's so pretty good at the University I really of Texas, haven't. I, by the way. I, if anything – Thank you. It, it, well, if anything, he's played more center, I think, than he has tackle. Yeah. I think – yeah. Um, and and – and that's and that's barely any at all. So. I think the, the um, Connor Williams playing on the outside narrative is dead. It's for just now. a media narrative. It's it, I mean I think it might have been a thing at one point, but then you you sign a veteran swing tackle, you draft a center, you're just kind of like, all right, we're gonna give this guy a shot to hey. stay where he was. I don't think that's happening. I am interested about Brandon Knight being listed as a guard because I know he played some guard in training camp. He's moved around a little bit. But he's also played a lot of tackle, and he's looked better doing it than Terrence Steele. I mean, no offense to Terrence Steele, because he was going against Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith, but he looked out of his depth. Uh, so, hey, wait, what's up? If if Terrence Steele is out there, I can tell you who that eleventh guy is going to be. It's going to be Blake Bell, and he's going to be right next to him the entire <laughs> game. Like that's those those are going to be the eleven Welcome guys. To the starting right lineup. I have to believe Knight right. is the next guy up at tackle, even if he's not listed that way. All right. Me too. Um, let's go ahead and take our final break. When we come back, we're going to finish up some of these things that were on the unofficial depth chart that we thought were interesting. We're also going to get to some questions. Amber's got some questions for us from you guys. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. 
Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Back to the break. Welcome back to the final segment of the break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We got our our entire crew here at the Star today, so it feels good to be moving. Things are moving. The season's starting. Tomorrow night, they're actually going to be playing a real game in the NFL. I cannot wait. Uh, It should be very, very interesting this season, and hopefully everything keeps going on a good path to where we can actually get through the season and into the playoffs and the Cowboys can do something. All right, so let's jump back in, the unofficial depth chart. Uh, Another thing that popped out to me was Tony Pollard is listed as the primary punt returner. Uh, Cedric Wilson listed as the primary kick returner. CeeDee Lamb, not the primary returner on either of those units. What are your thoughts about that? Because I think we, or at least I'll speak for myself, I was actually excited about the possibility of CeeDee Lamb being the primary returner either on kicks or punts. Let's start first with you, Nick. Well, you know, this is more gamesmanship of what's happening. You know, uh, for years they had different punt returners. When, you know, Deion Sanders was was the guy when you really wanted a big return. But Kevin Williams was back there, you know, or Kelvin Martin or somebody like that. So I I think, you know, you you have a safe returner. You have a guy that's going to go catch the ball, fair catch and all that. That maybe is Tony Pollard. But I guarantee you, if there's a punter standing in his end zone and he's trying to, you know, get the ball and try to get as much field position as possible, you know, I, I would imagine C.D. Lamb's out there. But let's not act like t- having Tony Pollard in the open field would be bad either. I mean, just catch the ball and go north. That's it. That's really all, all you need to do. Amber. 
I, I mean, who doesn't want to see CD Lamb just give it a go and see how he does? But again, Tony Pollard, I'm a huge fan. He, that guy is freaking quick. He is quick with his feet. He's able to move around. He's a small guy, but he can move. He, he can cut, make cuts, and he's really good with anticipation. So um, I'm excited to see him give it a go this year as, uh, again and just see how he does. But hopefully at some point in the season, we get to see, uh, see CD Lamb give it a go as well. I am. I, everybody knows I'm one of the people that's in favor of Lamb returning punts, but I never expected him to be the exclusive punt returner. I don't know if it's smart to send him back there six times a game. You know, what's that? 80 times a season or whatever. I think, yeah, like Nick said, if you've got a chance to field a punt near midfield or if it's a late-game situation and you need a play, that's when I expect to see Lamb. Um, the Pollard thing is weird because I've never seen him field a punt in my life. I don't think he ever has. He's the kick guy. So I think that's an outright lie, to be honest with you. Uh, I would expect it's going to be Cedric Wilson. Maybe you might see Trayvon Diggs back there. And then Pollard's your kick returner. I would be pretty surprised if Tony's fielding punts on Sunday. I will say this. It did pique my curiosity, though, because, like, as you guys are saying, Tony Pollard is a really, really quick guy. He has some of those attributes that you think would be in a good punt returner. So I kind of want to see what it looks like. No, I do want to say I've said a million times I would love for Tony Pollard to return punts. I just haven't seen it, which, to be fair, doesn't mean he hasn't done it. Right. There's a lot of stuff we don't see. But I'm going with what I've seen, which is not Tony Pollard. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be pretty surprised to see it. All right. Um, let's go ahead and get some questions, Amber. Let's pull up some questions from some of the fans out there listening, uh, some questions that uh, you were able to get off of Twitter. What do you have? Well, I know we're tired of talking about this, but it is what the fans are still talking about, and that is the safety position. Now that the whole stack Martin's contract and the way they're trying to restructure it and all that brings up the question, could the Cowboys possibly be clearing up some money to bring Earl Thomas here and do something? So what is the reason behind this whole restructuring Zach Martin's You know what I want to do? I want to see if I want to see if Chris, our producer, can actually get the uh, you know get something set up to where we can just say hook them horns. Like every time we bring up the name Earl Thomas, like you just hear this loud hook them horns. And so you know, just it's just what we do <laughs> as a part of our show because we bring them up all the time. I think we ought to give a little love to Texas, right? You want to go back to the days when Texas hey. actually produced big time DBs a decade there ago. We go. Yeah, he's just riding that high. I, I so wish, I so <laughs> wish Texas was playing LSU this year. I really do, but Me too. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All right, so what do you guys think? What do you, is Errol Thomas still in the mix here? Nick, do you want to? Okay, yes. yeah, go ahead. I think he is. I mean, I think he is until he signs with another team, and then when he gets cut by them, he'll be in the mix again. <laughs> I mean, I think he's in the mix. Uh, with yeah, until, until the Cowboys, you know, really shore up the position, I mean, I don't. Again, it's a good question. I don't know what, what, what they're getting money for. But I said this yesterday. I, I think that week one, obviously, it makes sense for all teams to kind of pass on Earl Thomas because you don't know what you're getting there, and you don't want to lock yourself into a contract for the entire year. I would imagine that the sweepstakes for him ramps up after this week. We'll see if somebody gets hurt, you know, in, injured around the league, and, and maybe that, that creates some more leverage for him. But um, – why not? I mean, keep it keep it alive. I, I, I still think there's something to it. I'll say what I said yesterday, which is 
they're going to trot out Darian Thompson, Donovan Wilson, and Brandon Carr as their answer across from Xavier Woods. That's not a guarantee to work. So I can't rule out Earl Thomas. Like I said about the receivers yesterday, if it's a disaster and they're giving up 350 yards a game, you can't rule it out. But I don't think that's why they restructured Zach's contract. They already had cap space. Earl Thomas is not going to be nearly as expensive to sign as he used to be after what after the year that he's had. Um, so I think they could do that with the space that they had. I think that they know that they are going to have to pay a quarterback a lot of money next year. The cap's not guaranteed to grow, so they're making room for it. And, and that doesn't mean a long-term contract. It's going to be expensive to tag Dak, too. So I think they just want to make sure they have extra money in the bank. I'll, I'll just. Would would you sign Good. Earl Thomas to a two year deal? Uh, would you sign him to a two year deal, one year? If deal? it's a two year deal that allows me, me to cut him after one, sure. Like no, I I wouldn't give him like a two year deal with lots of guarantees. I mean, I bet you he's trying to get a one year deal, and trying to get a one year deal would means and and not take a huge pay cut. So. You know, you may not have a lot of a lot. Not a lot of teams have that kind of cap space. If he's trying to do that, yeah, they would probably want to do a two-year deal, three-year deal that can can get cut down to one or two. But you know, I I, I would imagine he's trying to get a one-year deal to get another big payday uh, next year and do that. You got to have a decent amount of cap space. You know, I will say my desire has kind of changed. At at when he first became available, I was like, bring him like. I want to see him on this team. My my role. I think my 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 opinion on this has changed a little bit to this point. I kind of want to just see what they can do with what they have. Like I like the idea of some of these young safeties that they have, and quite frankly, I love their pass rush. And I think the pass rush is going to help this secondary be pretty good. And and so when you look at it from that standpoint, that's what we thought about. That- Thought last year. No, Derek. no, no. They, no, no, That's no, no, what no, we no, 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 difference he has he is he is a much better pass rusher than what you had in Robert and Robert Griffith was good but I mean I'm, I'm sorry um uh, Robert Quinn was good I said last year I thought he was gonna have he was gonna be your best most productive pass rusher but even at that he's not as good as Everson Griffin so you got three pass rushers this year that I feel like are gonna be much better than what you had last year I don't think Tank played his best football last year I think he will be much better this year all that being said I think that there is a difference between what you can expect from the pass rush in 2019 and what you will expect it from it in 2020. Is that enough to maybe hide your secondary? I don't know. What I'm saying is I do think it will be better, and if it is better, there is a chance that it will be good enough to make your secondary pretty good. And if that happens, there's no need to go out and take a risk with Earl Thomas. That's the whole point. I think okay. you can hide – oh, First sorry, go all, ahead, Amber. Sorry, I was I was gonna say first of all, um, thank you for being a gentleman. You should have let me speak first, but Is that's that okay. Second of all, here's the thing. Here's the problem. It all sounds great. It sounds amazing. Yes, we're excited about it. I am excited about it. But I've heard this story before. We heard it last year. We heard it after the draft. How they spoke about, oh, yeah, if our pass rush is great, you know, that trickles down and that's going to help out the secondary. Didn't 
Did it really help the secondary? We, uh, my point is here, and I'm not saying what the, the players that we have right now are, are, are bad or anything. I'm excited about them. But the thing is, I've heard this story before, and I haven't seen it actually happen. So that's where my problem comes in. I've just... I, I need to see it actually happen. I'm tired of seeing, oh, yeah, let me see these young guys. Sometimes you just need to see veteran guys that are experienced, that ha can actually go out there and are proven players. Well, what is Brandon Carr? Is he not a proven player? Okay. He's a proven pretty good player. <laughs> right. And and what we know right what we know right now from what we know right, know right now from Earl Thomas is regardless of what he can provide for you on the field, he has been unreliable as a teammate, right? Hmm. So, you can't say he's for sure either. Like what 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 you're going to get might be you might get a great player that can last the whole season. You might get a player that completely destroys your locker room. All I'm saying is there's no point in taking that risk until you know a little bit more about what you think you already have. Let me clarify. I'm not chomping at the bid to sign Earl Thomas. I'm fine seeing what this is. But I can't help but think about how many people were okay with going into the 18 season with no real receivers. And it took seven games to realize that that was a mistake. And I think I won't be surprised if that's what we wind up Okay, so let me here. ask you this, though. In that instance, you actually took something away from your wide receiver position. Do you think the Cowboys' safety position is worse this year than it was last year? I just think the secondary as a whole is worse than it is. And you, those things have to be weighed together. Like your safeties are impacted by your cornerbacks and how good they are. The Cowboys do not have a proven playmaker in their secondary, period. That's well, a problem. Did they have one last year? I mean, Byron Jones ah, is an all-pro. He was pro. not a playmaker. Okay. He was a pretty good cornerback. He's, he was not a playmaker. He's a guy that you can count on to take away half of the field on a regular basis. I, I don't know if I'd say take away half of the field. Okay. He they was a pretty good corner. Let's just – he was a pretty good corner. He's an all-pro. Opponents never targeted yeah. him ever. Okay. Like, they just didn't do it. Maybe it was because they felt like they had better options on the other side, right? Well, yeah. Derek, what happened to you? I thought we were all on the same page <laughs> on this subject. What well, happened? Again, what the way I look happened? at this is I'm, I'm just thinking right now – you look at the, the safety position, I don't. I think they're actually better off than they were last year. I think having Darian Thompson out there with Xavier Woods, to me, is better than what they had last year. So I, I'm okay with the safety position. I kind of want to see what they can do with this pass rush. And if it's fine, look, if they go out there and the Rams put up 35, 40 points on them, then okay, let's, rehab, let's have this discussion all over again and let's talk about bringing in Earl Thomas. But I just kind of want to see if this pass rush – makes the secondary better or not. Because you're right, Dave, they don't have a bunch of proven great players in their secondary. I do think their pass rush is, is better. And that's always been a football thing, Amber, to get to your point. We talk about, you know, if you have a good pass rush. I think everybody believes if you have a really good pass rush, it does help your secondary. Maybe it wasn't enough last year, but I do think with those three guys this year, it's going to be different. I think it's going to be better. I wish I had worn sunglasses for this segment for all the sunshine that's coming at me from this direction over here. How's but that sunshine? It's very sunshiny. It's just very bright. Very bright. All I'm saying is I want to see. All, the lights. all I'm saying is I want to okay. see. Right. I just want to see. <laughs> Nick, what do you have thoughts on this? <laughs> the funny part is I'm saying the exact same thing Dave just finished saying, which is let's wait and see. But go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, honestly, at the end of the day, I personally don't think the Cowboys are going to do anything. I think they're going to wait and see. So, 
It's kind of a moot point. I'll say it again. I don't care if they sign Earl Thomas or not, but as we sit here on the cusp of the 2020 season, their secondary is not better than it was last year. Mm. I think it's about the same. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll check back in after we finish this game against the Rams, and we'll decide what we think after that game. How's that? All right. Is that that fair? sounds good. Awesome. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. We're back tomorrow. Uh, again, we're going to have Bucky, Bucky Brooks join us. He will talk about the, the uh, Rams defense versus the Cowboys offense. Uh, we'll also get into some other topics tomorrow, and uh, we'll start getting you guys ready for Cowboys versus Rams. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this?